The power of the Holy Spirit is an incredible power. He can touch hearts. He can break chains. He can strengthen when you're about to feel like you can't take another step. And he can lead us right to Jesus. And he does lead us to Jesus. And you know what else he does? He gives us the grace to repent. And I'm going to finish what I've been saying for the last few weeks about repentance. And repentance is not a bad word. It's a good word. I'm going to show you today it's an incredible word. As a matter of fact, it opens the door to every blessing that God has for us. If you don't repent, you can't be saved. If you don't repent, then there is something between you and God. But repentance is the key that unlocks the door to every blessing that God has for us. Have you ever thought about that? So I want to read one verse. It is what Peter said to the Pentecostal crowd when they said, Sirs, what must we do? And I want you to notice what he said. Now, there's what, it begins with our words. I want you to say our word with me. Acts 3.19. What did Peter respond with? He said, <clears throat> said, repent. How have some preachers in America decided that you can't say that anymore? That's crazy. That's nuts. He said, repent and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What an incredible promise. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And we pray that, Lord, it will shine, that you will shine into hearts, that the presence of the Holy Spirit that is here will, Lord, teach us. Because, Lord, if you don't quicken it, we're not going to see it. So I'm asking you to quicken it. I'm asking you to illuminate our hearts and lighten our path and make this word come alive. Anoint me, Lord, I can't do this without you. Anoint the listeners, they can't understand without you. And we lean on you in Jesus' name. Will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me. Change my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We live right now in a primarily unrepentant culture. Our nation has hardened its heart against God. We live in a culture that every single day slaughters thousands of children in their mother's womb without repentance. We live in a nation where the government finances that without repentance. We live in a nation that has put its official seal of approval on every manner of sexual perversion without repentance. We have no more shame, no more conviction. Our nation has forgotten how to repent. Now, that's sad to me because repentance, again, is the key that unlocks the best that God has for us. Repentance is the, is the gateway, it's the key to experiencing incredible blessings from God. We need to learn to repent. You know what? As Christians, we need to repent often. Amen. Don't look at me so holy. No, not me, Pastor Jeff. No, we do, don't we? Come on. We, we need to repent often because we, we often think something, say something, do something that we shouldn't, and we know it grieves God, and we need to repent. And I submit to you that if we practice regular repentance, we're going we're gonna to walk under an open heaven. And I don't know about you, but I want an open heaven. I want the blessing of God, presence of God, peace of God, guidance of God, deliverance of God, strength of God. I want it all. I'm greedy for the things of God. 
That's where I'm greedy. I'm greedy for the things of God. What about you? I want everything he's got for me and then some. And I openly admit it to you, I'm greedy. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the power of repentance as it relates to times of refreshing. I want you to notice how Peter told this crowd something that was amazing. They said, well, they heard the gospel. They heard Peter tell them, you crucified the son of God. You, you, you murdered God's only son. And so at the end of it, they're all convicted. They said, sirs, what must we do? And he began with, you got to repent. If you want to know how to get into the kingdom of God and how to receive forgiveness and how to come under what God has for you, you must begin with repentance. He said, repent so that your sins may be blotted out and that through your repentance, times of refreshing may come. Now, notice that the times of refreshing and the blotted out sins are only for those who repent. If you don't repent, you can't experience those two things. And I'm going to elaborate on those two things in just a minute because what he promises here is amazing. So I want to unpack verse 19 in my last message on repentance in this series. I want to unpack verse 19 and I want us to look at it again because it's, it's such a powerful verse and it applies to everybody in here lost and found, lost and found. If you're lost, don't know Jesus yet. It applies to you. If you're a Christian, it also applies to you. So let's look at it. He, he, he said, first of all, if you want to know what to do, you must repent. Repent then and turn to God. Now, remember in this series, we've told you what repentance is and what it's not. Repentance is a powerful word. It means more than feeling sorry for the sinful things that we've done. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond just feeling sorry. Uh, it's more than an emotional moment in a church service. Or in an altar. It's more than that. Where we feel emotional and we feel bad or we feel guilty or we feel remorseful. It's it's, it's more than that. New Testament repentance is more than that. New Testament repentance is this. You're going down one road the wrong way. You're going down a wrong way road. That's the idea of repentance. I'm going down the road that Jesus described as the broad road that leads to destruction. He said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And it's a highway. It's a road. It's a path. It's a way. It's something people are walking on. So listen, Jesus is the one who coined Broadway. So here, here it is. You're going down the broad way. And Jesus said, it's wide, like a great big demonic mouth opened wide. It's wide. And he said, many people are going down that road. In other words, most people. Most people are going down that road. It's the broad way, the wide road. And Jesus said, it will lead to destruction. So here you are. You're going down this wide road. You're barreling down this wide road. You've got the, your vehicle, your life wide open. You are barreling down this road and you hear the gospel. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and the gospel comes and stands right in front of you and confronts you on that road. It confronts you on that road. And, and you, are, you stop for a minute and you listen. God so loved the world. You listen to the gospel. Paul said the, the gospel is the power of God that leads to salvation. 
There is power in that gospel. Power in John 3.16. Power in what Jesus did for us. And so we hear it. And, and for a minute we stop and we make a decision. I'm either going to continue down this road or I'm going to repent. Repent and turn to God, Peter said. Repent and turn to God. So here I am, I'm going down this road and I hear the gospel and I, and I decide, well, I, I better get off this road because Jesus said it leads to destruction. Down this road, the bridge is out. And I'm going off that bridge and I'm going to go into destruction, so I repent. And, and here's New Testament repentance. When I repent, I turn. And I get onto another road. And it's called the narrow road that leads to life. I get on that road. Jesus said it's constricted. Jesus said it's a tight fit. And we, we tend to think, well, if it's a tight fit, if it's so constricted, then how in the world can it be a joyous road or a good road? Because isn't it funny how even though it's restricted and constricted and tight and narrow, it leads to life. It leads to life. And, and so I turn. Repentance is turning away from and turning toward. Turning from one thing and turning toward another thing. Listen to what Peter said. He said, repent and turn to God. So when I really repent, genuinely repent, when I mean business and I, I, I have decided I am changing my mind. That's what repentance means. To change your mind. Now, listen carefully to me, church. Repentance is not a New Year's resolution. It is not where you decide to turn over a new leaf and just make some changes, kick a habit or something like that. Repentance is way bigger than that. Repentance is when you turn to God through Jesus Christ, He literally transforms your life. You are no longer the same person. Something supernatural has happened to you. You didn't do it. He did it. You didn't bring it about. He brought it about. He did what the counselors couldn't do and what psychiatrists couldn't do and what drugs couldn't do and what you couldn't do. He changes your life. He changes your life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and all has become new. I said, all has become new. All is become new. He is a new creation. That means the hand of God was involved in what happened to you. He is a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old is gone. New has come. So now I'm on the narrow road that leads to life. And when I'm on the narrow road that leads to life, Jesus is the boss, applesauce. Amen? Jesus is the boss. He, I don't make him Lord 10 years later. The minute I get saved, he is Lord. I said, the minute I get saved, he's the boss. He's the Lord. He's Messiah. He tells me where to go, what to do, how to live. Come on, everybody. So we turn from our sin and we turn to God. And whatever action steps we must take to make things right, horizontally with men or vertically with God, we will do, and we'll do it happily. That's the thing about genuine repentance. If you're really repenting, you are happy to do. You'll go as, as far a distance as it takes to get there. You will do what it takes. No price is too high for you to get right with God and right with others and to repent and get the channel clear between you and God. You are happy to do it because repentance is, is a blessing and an anointing from God. Real repentance means 
I don't care what it takes or if I've got to humble myself to do it. I will do it. Come on, everybody. If you've repented, it's going to show. Real Christianity shows up. I don't understand closet Christians. I don't understand silent witnesses. That's an oxymoron. How can you be silent and be a witness? See, if Jesus comes into your heart, you can't keep it down. You can't hide your light under a bushel. It's going to show. They're going to see a difference in your eyes. They're going to see a difference in your life. They're going to see a difference in your walk. They're going to see a difference in your talk. It's going to show. Turn your neighbor and say, Christianity shows up. I was talking to a lady on the phone two nights ago. It took an hour and a half. She's as lost as a goose in a hailstorm, as we would say in East Texas. Doesn't know Jesus. And she said this to me. Come on, Jeff. I've known her since we were 15. Come on, Jeff. Christianity is just a religion like Buddhism. It's just a religion like, like uh, uh, Islam. It's just a religion like all the other religions of the world. It's just one of many. And I said, no, no, no. You got it wrong right there. First of all, it's not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Some men have made it a religion, but Christianity in the raw is not a religion. It's a relationship with a living Savior that we are engaged in every day. And I walk with Him, and I talk with Him, and He tells me I am His own. I think I'm going to preach a little bit today. I'm feeling it on me. And I said, I said to her, let's say her name was Debbie. I said, Debbie, it's not a religion. It's a life. It's a relationship. It's real. He's real. He's on the right-hand side of God. He sends his Holy Spirit to live in my heart. He fellowships with me. He walks with me. He talks to me. He guides me. He's my friend. He's my savior. He's the lover of my soul. This is not a religion. Religion is do, do, do. Christianity is done, done, done. I want you to look at how repentance manifested in the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians 7 gives us the telltale signs of genuine repentance. Paul writes, the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. So there's that walking away from that old life. And it results in salvation turning to God. So I leave something and I go towards something. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. Did you catch that? I've never had anybody on a deathbed say to me, man, if only I hadn't accepted Jesus. Never. I've had him say this to me. I wish I'd given more of my life to Jesus. I wish I hadn't waited so long to come to Jesus. I wish I'd been richer toward God. I, I wish I hadn't ignored his promptings all those years. I wish I hadn't wasted so many years in sin. I've heard all those things at deathbeds. But I've never heard, you know, Jeff, I just wish I hadn't come to Jesus like I did. No, the godly sorrow that leads to repentance is also a sorrow with no regret. I never regret. And then he goes on, and he's about to tell us exactly what real repentance looks like. He said, just see what this godly sorrow, which is sorrow leading to repentance, produced in you. Such earnestness. Boy, I'm serious about this. Such concern to clear yourselves. I'll do anything. To wipe the slate clean between me and God. Such indignation. I'm angry at what sin has done. Such alarm. I'm terrified at what sin has done. 
Such zeal. I have zeal in my repentance. This is not something uh, uh, um, that I'm just doing like a robot. It's not robotic. It's, it's not duty. I'm not involved in, in, in just mechanically doing something. But I've got God-given zeal to repent. And I love this last part. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. Whatever it takes, I will do it. Between me and men and between me and God. You have done everything to make things right. And that's what real repentance looks like. You have done everything necessary to make things right. When John the Baptist looked out over the crowd of Pharisees and Sadducees who were sad, you see? You know why they were sad, you see? Because they didn't believe in a resurrection. So they were sad, you see. I'm sorry, I know that's cheap, but you'll never forget it. (laughs) Why are they called sad? Because if you take away every hope of eternity, you are going to be sad, you see. Amen? That's free. You can take that home, chew on it. All right. But he looked out at these Pharisees and Sadducees, and here's what he said to them. He said, bear fruits worthy or that bespeak of repentance. Here's another version. Change your hearts and show by the way you live that you have changed. In other words, real repentance will show up. So John the Baptist is telling them, you've come to be baptized, but I'm telling you, I want to see some good deeds that show me and show God that you have genuinely repented. Churches are full of people who haven't really repented. Yeah, Billy Graham said the biggest harvest field in the world is the church. Can you believe that? It's true. Church is full of people that don't repent. They think that going to church makes them right with God. Believe me, I'm not judging you, pointing a finger at you. I was saved in jail as a 16-year-old boy. I'm not judging you. But I want to be truthful. You can sit in church all your life and not be saved. You can be close to the spout where the glory comes out, but never get the glory. You can walk around the edges of salvation without diving in. You can hear the word your whole life, but never truly repent. I'm telling you about the greatest gift God's given us, aside from Jesus Christ on the cross, is the ability and the privilege to repent. Amen. True repentance always brings about a change in your lifestyle, a zeal for making things right with God and man. Let me remind you again, it's not a negative word, it's a positive word. We talk a lot today about self-help. Oh, I'm I'm out to help myself, self-help. There's all kinds of self-help magazines. Even one magazine is called Self. Is it still around? I don't know, but it used to be Self. Right there. Right there when you're checking out at the grocery store, they've got all those crazy magazines right next to all the chocolate. They know they've got you. How many times have I grabbed a Hershey bar and I told the girl, I said, you know right where to put this, don't you? And she said, they do it, but I understand. I fall all throughout the day. I grab one of those things. I I get a Hershey's bar with almonds. I can't help it. I look at it and I look away. I look at it again and then I look away. I say, Jesus, help me. I say, well, that's okay. And I just grab it anyway. (laughs) 
God made chocolate right there with coffee on the eighth day. And he said, it is good. Yeah. Now, but if you want to talk about self-help, you want to help yourself, repentance is the most reasonable, sensible, healthy thing you can do for yourself. Because repentance gets you right with God and it positions you to receive the best God has for you. So repentance is the greatest self-help you can do. What will it profit a man, Jesus said, if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? It's a door-opening word that leads to a whole new world of blessing and peace and positive change. Repenting. How many of you can say, I'm so glad I repented? Amen. How many of you know Jesus? You're, I, you don't know him unless you repented. So how many of you are glad you repented one day? Amen. Amen. In this verse, there are two so that's. So that. Repent and turn to God. So that one thing and so that another thing. There's two so that's. And the two so that's show us the incredible benefits of repenting. So I'm going to take the remainder of my time and I want to talk to you about the two so that's. I want you to notice what he says. Repent and turn to God first so that, so that your sins may be blotted out. Now I could stop right there and go home and rejoice over that. Repent and turn to God so that your sins can be blotted out. Everybody say so that. Now, I want you to notice that first, so that. What an incredible so that. So that your sins can be blotted out. But then there's a second so that. He says, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Wow. This verse shows us the power and beauty of repentance and what it releases on our life. When God convicts us and we say, Jesus, forgive me, and we repent, we have just positioned ourselves for two incredible so that's, so that your sins can be blotted out, and so that, a time of refreshing, and I'm going to talk about that last, but not least, times of refreshing. How many of you would love a time of refreshing from the presence of God? I'm talking about a fresh touch. I'm talking about a fresh anointing. I'm talking about a fresh outpouring. I'm talking about a fresh touch from the Spirit of God. Come on, everybody. Are you hungry for that? Let's talk about the first so that, so that your sins may be blotted out. What an incredible promise that is, that your sins, when you repent, something happens in the unseen world. God blots out your sin. No wonder David wrote, listen to his words, blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. How many of you want to be blessed? If your sins are forgiven, say, I'm blessed. blessed. He said, blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. If your sin has been forgiven, you are blessed among most people on the face of the earth because most are going down that wide road that leads to destruction. If your sins are forgiven, you are more wealthy than, the, than Bezos, who is, is that his name? Bezos over Amazon? Or Bill Gates? You are wealthier than a multi-billionaire if your sin is covered? Blessed. Because if they haven't repented, 
They may be rich on earth, but it's not going to last and they're not going to take it with them. They can't take one dime with them. But if your sin is forgiven, you are blessed among most people on earth. You are rich. He said, repent and turn to God. Turn away from your sin, turn to God. And and he's going to blot out your sins. He's going to blot them out. Blot out is powerful. It means to totally erase, wipe out, remove, and wash away from God's memory, your sins. He erases the chalkboard that lists all of your sins and replaces your sins on the chalkboard of his judgment seat. The words forgiven, washed, sanctified, glorified. Your sins are blotted out, washed away, erased as if they never happened. I love when the Bible tells us the way we were. The Bible says you were dead in sins and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. But then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ for he forgave all your sins. And here comes that phrase and blotted out the charges that were proved against you. You were guilty. I stood in front of a judge once when I was 16 years old. I was arrested for sale of narcotics. Seriously. And that judge, when I was taken before the judge, he had a a little list of things that I had done. Well, he didn't have it all. He only had some. But some was enough. And he read them to me. He said, okay, Jeff McGuire, here's why you're here. And he read the list. And, and, And with everything he read, I just sank deeper. Because as yet, I had not heard the gospel. So I, I knew I had no vertical relationship with God at all. And he read the list of what he had that I'd done. And I said to myself, I'm sunk. And he looked at me and he said, you're almost 17. I'm going to certify you as an adult and I'm going to see to it you go to prison. But a God was watching who had another plan. And that God knew that in three days I would hear the gospel and be born again. And God was going to block me going to prison. And I got probation. And and after that, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God and the anointing of God and the fire of God. And I was called to preach. God had another plan. See, you think the devil's going to win, but I'm going to tell you, God's got another plan. God has another plan for your life. God has another plan for your family, another plan for you. God is about to do something you did not expect. And I'm just going to speak that over you today. Look what it says he did. He, he, he blotted out the charges proved against you. The list of his commandments that you had not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. He blotted out your sins. Now, I think when it comes to sins, we do what stores do when they categorize clothes. You go to a shirt rack and here's small, medium, large, extra large, double extra large. And I think we do that with our sins. We go, well, I did a small one. Well, that one was a medium. Uh Uh-oh, that one was large, but uh uh-oh, that one was a double extra large sin. And you come into the altar and you say to me, Jeff, I'm really struggling. I hear this a lot. I'm really struggling with believing that God can forgive me because I, and they fill in the blank, committed adultery, stole, embezzled, 
The sin that I've committed, Jeff, is a double extra large. And, and I just don't believe that God can forgive it. But I want you to know that there is no sin we commit, small, medium, large, extra large, double extra large, that is greater than the blood of the Lamb. He said, if you repent, if you repent, he's going to blot out all your sins. There's not a sin we commit, uh, commit that can stand against the blood of Jesus. He washes all of it away. Amen. Some of you are carrying a double extra large sin in here. And I want you to know that when you say, Jesus, forgive me, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm getting on that narrow road that leads to life, he blots it out, erases it. He picks up his own eraser and erases it from the chalkboard of his judgment. And he says, free, delivered, redeemed, sanctified, glorified, righteous. Amen. But it gets even better. Psalms 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I read that in a new way for the first time getting ready for this message. You know what occurred to me? East and west never meet. If I went out here and got into my car and I set the GPS to go east and I just started traveling east, I could go around the whole world and never run into west. And I could go the same way with west. I could go west and go all the way around the world and never run into east. Because if you're going west, you're going west. If you're going east, you're going east. And never do the twain meet. And that's what he's telling us. That when God forgives you, you and your sin are never going to meet again. Hallelujah. That's shouting ground. You ought to, you ought to give the Lord a bigger hand to pray. Listen, you're never going to meet your sin again. Your sin is never going to face you and say, remember me? No, because he's removed you from your sin as far as the east from the west. You're never going to run into it again. But Isaiah says even more. Isaiah goes on to say that he does more than blot them out. He says, I, even I, this is God talking through the prophet. I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I remember your sin no more. God is telling us right here that he imposes amnesia on himself when it comes to your sin and mine. We go to God and say, hey, God, you remember when I... And he says, no, I I don't. Well, surely you remember, Lord, when I messed up, when I lied, stole, messed up, did whatever I did. You remember that, Lord? No, I I really don't. I don't don't remember. Well, how can you not remember? You forgave me for it. Exactly. Exactly. I have imposed amnesia on myself. I'm not going to remember it anymore. Well, you say, then then who does remember it? The devil tries to make you remember it. It's the devil who's bringing it back to you, not God. God is not saying to you, hey, do you remember that? That is not God. The devil is saying, do you remember what you did? That's the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. I, I like what somebody said. When the devil reminds me of my past, I remind him of his future. Devil, since you came to torment me, let me torment you a bit. Your time is limited. The trumpet's about to blow. And Jesus is about to return. He's going to grab you by the scruff of your neck and cast you into a lake of fire where you will burn forever and forever. Devil, let me remind you of your future. Get off my back. He won't bring up. God won't bring up your sin to you anymore. That's the first so that. Now we come to the second so that. 
so that. Repent and turn to God, so that. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Don't you love refreshing? Don't you, what, what do you think of when you think of refreshing? Maybe mowing your lawn in August. And, and those last few rows, you're thinking, boy, there's a tall, tall, cold glass of iced tea waiting in my kitchen. And doesn't it motivate you to finish quick? Because you want that refreshing? Or maybe it's jumping into a cool pool also in July or August. You get there to the pool. You barely have time to throw your towel down on that seat before you are diving in because it's refreshing. There's nothing like it. We love being refreshed, don't we? I think laughing, I think laughing is refreshing. Some of you, how long has it been since you laughed out loud? You ought to be laughing all the time as a believer, as a, as a child of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Jesus, some of you look like the worst thing ever happened to you was you got saved. You're, you're always morose. You come in looking like this. You say, well, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. Jesus is coming back. World's going to hell. I'm just here to praise God. Well, well listen, when you go to a restaurant after being here, don't tell them you were at turning point. No, no. But if you're going in there with a smile on your face, which is God's greatest billboard, is your face, and does it carry the joy of the Lord? When you go into a restaurant like that, say, oh, I was at Turning Point. We praised God. We had a great time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Look what Jesus did for me, and he can do the same for you. If, if that's you, hit the restaurants. Go to more than one and take our cards with you. I think laughing is refreshing. And worshiping God, isn't it refreshing? Worshiping God. Just coming into the presence of God and worshiping God. But, and you know that I love to cycle. I love to cycle. And I get on my bike and I'll go a long way. I'll go, well, for me, I'll go 20 miles, 30 miles. And at the halfway point, now I'm not talking about a motorcycle. Some of you are going, well, big deal. I'm talking about pedaling. There's, there's a half, at the halfway point, there is this mister. And they've put it there for us cyclists. And, and you go stand under it. And if it's July or August and it's 110 in the shade, and you've already ridden about 10 miles on that bike, you, you have so much incentive to make it to this mister where you're going to be refreshed. And you stand under it and you pull this cord and this cool mist just cascades down on you. <sighs> I'm thinking of it right now. I feel refreshed just thinking about it. And so in the last few miles before the halfway point, it motivates me to, to keep going because I want to make it to that mister. I want to get to that refreshing. Listen to me. All the refreshing experiences we can have, nothing compares to a fresh touch from the presence of God. God's got a mister. That mister is open right now over this sanctuary. Some of you are receiving more of it than others, but it's falling. And you know what? The cord you pull is repentance. When you repent, it, then it washes away your sin. And when your sin is washed away, then all of a sudden you find yourself entering into a whole new season, a whole new experience. And, and the, the, the mist from heaven, the Holy Spirit of God, the great refresher. Peter said the times of refreshing will begin to fall upon you. And it literally means a time of rest or deliverance from evils of any kind. That's what it means, a refreshing. We talk about fiery trials. My, my faith is being tested. I'm really being tested. I'm really in the fire, Jeff. Then I say, well, all right. 
If you get into the presence of God, our time of refreshing literally means a cooling experience. Now I'm under the mister of heaven. And the Holy Ghost is pouring out on me. We need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I hope I'm creating a divine hunger in you. We need, a, we need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. See, when I stay right with God, I'm under heaven's mister. And, and, and the glory falls. And it, it literally means that from the presence of the Lord, from the face of the Lord, a time of refreshing will come. When we've repented before God and forgiveness has come, then behind that comes the presence of the Lord. And the great burden of unconfessed sin is lifted. And our guilt is rolled away. The door to heaven is open. His peace floods our soul. His spirit, like a gentle breeze, blows across our being. His presence fills the room like it is right now. Amen. His love is poured out on our hearts by the Holy Ghost that God has given to us. And here's my experience. Strength rushes into our formerly weakened soul and a sense of well-being lifts us up. And Satan loses his steely grip. And the chains are broken. And the fetters are snapped. And mercy drops begin to fall. Like that mister. Our season of sorrow is transformed into a season of refreshing. And doors of favor begin to open and gladness fills our heart. No wonder David testified in your presence is fullness of joy. There's a heavenly mister, and I'm standing under it right now, and God wants every one of us to stand under it. There's nothing like the touch of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like the touch of God. Can we stand together today? We repent so that our sins may be blotted out, so that. And we repent so that. Times are refreshing come from the face of the Lord to us. How many of you would like to get under that mister right now? How many of you would like to? Listen, we didn't come to church to be religious. I came to get under the mister. I want to get under heaven's mister. So I want us to lift our hands to Jesus, can we? Jesus, forgive us of every sin in thought, word, action, or attitude. Wash us, blot out our sins. And Lord, send a time of refreshing. 